The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Hallelujah. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to part three of our anniversary series. God's favorite house is 12 on the 12th of September. That's tomorrow, Monday. Hallelujah. And we are having a whole week of, of celebration, as you have been told, and we are all excited about. So let's um, get into the world. Father, we ask that you breathe upon us today. Speak, 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 speak to us. Change our lives and let your name be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. So part three, and we are looking at who are we? That's the question. Who are we? After 12 years, the question that the new people that have joined us are asking, and I left consciously or unconsciously, um, is the question of identity as a people, as a church. And those of us that have been around, you know, it's, it's like we learned from realignment and um, remember, it's, it's a question that we need, to, we need to settle. We need to settle also. So we start with our vision. Our vision is to be filled with the life of Christ Jesus and released into our destinies, taking the world for him. Okay, so let's say that again together. Our vision is to be filled with the life of Christ Jesus and released into our destinies, taking the world for him. Again, our vision is to be filled with the life of Christ Jesus and released into our destinies, taking the world for him. That's what we are about. To be filled with the life of Christ Jesus. Not with the philosophies of men, but with the life of Christ Jesus. And released into our own destinies. God has an amazing destiny for you. And God will release you into that glorious destiny in the name of Jesus. Now, as God is releasing you into that destiny, the objective is for you to take the world for Jesus. It's for you to take the world for Jesus. And that is our vision, taking the world for him. You know, and you know, by the grace of God, that is expressed by our people in the marketplace, our people from your homes to your streets, to your families, to your streets, to your workplaces, to the marketplaces. We are taking the world for him to the expressions of the church and the church plant in, in the different countries of the world, in, in South Africa, in, in Costa Rica, in Canada, in the United States of America, and of course, in Nigeria taking the world for Jesus. Hallelujah. We have one mission. And our mission is changed lives. 
That's our mission. Change lives when people come in contact with God's grace that is upon us. God's grace that is upon God's free house. Their life changes. That is who we are. So as we get on to this anniversary celebrations, let's remember who we are. Let's remember who we are. Let's not forget who we are. Let's remember. Everybody say remember. <laughs> Let's remember. This is who we are. This is who we are. As I was preparing for this um, message, um, there's someone here, and God is, is obviously God is speaking to us through His Word um, today, and God is specifically saying to you, He says to say to you, Isaiah 46, verse 4. Isaiah 46, 4. The word of God says, I will be your God throughout your lifetime. I don't know. Maybe you are in a place where you are doubting. You are not sure if God is on your side anymore. God is saying to you today, I will be your God. Not just when things are good or things are bad. Throughout your lifetime. Time. I received that in the name of Jesus. That's big. That's big. Until your air is white with age. <laughs> Until your air is white with age. Even if you keep dying them, he says, I will be with you. I made you. Hallelujah. I will care for you. I made you. I will care for you. I will carry you along and save you. Oof, I receive that in the name of Jesus. Until your hair is white with age, I made you. Olufemi Mune, you can put your name there. I made you. I will care for you. God is saying, I will care for you. It says, I will carry you along and save you. Oof. Let us sink in. Now as we progress with who we are, we look at different aspects of a community, of a, of, a, of a people, of a movement, of a church, you know, and sometimes different things attempt to pull us in different directions. Different things attempt to, to challenge us and to make us pitch our tent here or pitch our tent there. And so we have a maxim in God's favorite house. And our maxim is, is this. In the essentials, we have what? Unity. In the non-essentials, we have what? Liberty. And in all things, we do what? We show love. In the essentials, we have... In the non-essentials, we have... In all things, we... So let's, let's, let's break it down. In the essentials, we have unity. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 to 6. Ephesians 4, 4 to 6. The Word of God says, For there is one body. I was say one body. There is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. That is so big. 
that is awesome. Don't get, we in God's favorite house, we don't get robbed into the conversation of, oh, I'm Anglican, I'm Methodist, I'm Pentecostal, I am Baptist, I am. There is one body, everybody say one body, and one spirit, everybody say one spirit. Just after you have been called into one glorious hope for the future. Verse 5 says, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. Hallelujah. So we see that there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So in the non-essentials of our beliefs, we have liberty. In the non-essentials, we have liberty. What are the essentials? The things that has to do with the things we spoke about earlier on. One Lord, one body, one faith, one baptism, one Father over all, in all and through us all. So we see in the non-essentials, of our beliefs we have liberty we have liberty romans 14 and this is so big i'm going to read romans 14 1 4 12 and 22 1 4 12 and 22 says accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what you think is right or wrong you see many times we want to force other people into the mold of our convictions. We don't do that in God's favorite house. We accept other believers. We accept people even if they are weak in faith. We don't argue. And God is saying don't argue about and try and put people in the right in the mold of what you think is right and wrong. Verse 4 says who are you to condemn someone else's servant? Who are you? Did you call him? Did you call her? So who are you to condemn somebody else's servant? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. It is none of your business. And with the Lord's help, they will stand, say amen, and receive his approval. So it's, 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 it's out of your pay grade. It's not in your league. It's not your call. Verse, 20, verse 12 says, Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. You, your own uh, dossier. You are going to give an account to God. That is enough for you to, to worry about, I think. Verse 22 says, You may believe there's nothing wrong with what you are doing, but keep it between you, between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. You are convinced. God bless you. Praise God. If it's a non-essential, we have liberty. You want to cover your hair to church? God bless you. But don't force all of us to cover our hair to church. You want to wear skirts to church? Decent? God bless you. But don't force all of us to wear skirts 
in church. <laughs> Some of us will wear trousers. You know, you want to, I mean, that is just how it is. So in the essentials, we have unity. In the non-essentials, we have liberty. In all things, we show love. We show love in all things. First Corinthians 13, verse 2. First Corinthians 13, 2 says, If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans, and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. So we see that in all things, we show love. Ask your neighbor, are you loving me? Are you loving me? Are you loving me? Are you loving me? If they are yet to answer, ask someone else, are you loving me? As, are you loving me? And as we go through life, there are things that define. There are things that define people. The first, obviously, is circumstances. Unfortunately, sometimes we let circumstances define us. Sometimes people let the circumstances that they are going through define them. When your circumstances define you, you will realize that circumstances change. No matter how tough your life is right now, it's going to change. Things are going to get better. Listen, it, life is in cycles. Good times don't last forever. Bad times also don't last forever. So if you're going through it tough, don't worry. It will change. If you're going through a good time, fantastic. Begin to prepare. That is how to have a consistent life. You prepare when it is good so that you can withstand when it is tough. And if you're in a tough season, my brother, my sister, don't define yourself by your circumstance because your circumstance will change. And if you've defined yourself by your circumstance and that circumstance changes, then you are confused. So circumstances are not to define us. Who, they're not to tell us who we are. Your shoe is not to tell you who you are. Your car is not to tell you who you are. You, whether you are driving a jalopy or the best car that you can imagine. If your car is the best car ever and it defines who you are, you're in trouble. If your car is the jalopy and it defines who you are, you are equally in trouble. If your bank account defines who you are, you're in trouble. If it is low or high, circumstances should never define us. The second thing is this. People that try to define us, but we should never allow it to define us, is it's only one out of these five that should define us. <laughs> I'm giving five. Circumstances. Secondly, people. 
People should never define us. People will always, listen, 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 listen. If your life is going to matter and be significant, people will try and define you. Some people will punish you for not being the person they want to define you to be. You have to be strong enough to take it because you are who God says that you are. You know, not who anybody else says that you are. And it is so, so important that you understand that whether you ask people or not, people generally have an idea about how your life should be. They, 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 they always do. They, whether you say it or not, they always do. So don't get preoccupied by it. You know, Jesus was... I'm sure having fun, ask the disciples, who do men say that I am? <laughs> because you know that they have a, they always have an opinion. Oh, some says you are Elijah. Some says you are this. Some says, oh, you are Jeremiah to come. Some says, blah, 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 blah. People always have opinions. Don't worry about people's opinions. Don't let people define you. Number three, don't let your experiences define you. You see, not just our circumstances or the people, sometimes our experiences attempt to define us. And, and by experiences, it's different from our circumstances in the sense that experiences are like, are like the summation of your education and your exposure. So that gives Mostly your experiences, you know, when you separate it from your circumstance, it's, it's, it's your education and your exposure. You're exposed to this, you're exposed to that. You are educated in this, you're educated in that. Fantastic. But don't let your education and your exposure define you. It's big that we realize that our experiences are too small to define us. Your education is too small to define you. And of course, number four, don't let Satan define you. Oh, no, no, not at all. Satan will try to define you. He tried to define Jesus. He says, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread, knowing that sons of God are sons of God because they rely on their God. So he's saying, walk away from being a son of God Prove your, by, prove your son of God by walking away from, from being a son of God. And Jesus said, no, no. Man shall not live by bread alone, but shall live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So, so Jesus is saying that sons of God, which is number five, are defined by the Father. By the Father. It is the Father that defines who we are. It is the Father alone that defines us. Not our circumstances, not people, not experiences, definitely not Satan. It is the Father. Why? He does that three main ways. There probably are more, but three main ways. The first is by sourcing. He is our source. He is our source. 
we are God's favorite house is God's favorite house because God's favorite house proceeds from the Father. The Father is our source. So you cannot get rid of us except you get rid of our source. Except you get rid of God. Except you get rid of the Father. So it's impossible. You, because God is our source. God is the, is the progenitor, is the source of God's favorite house. We are who we are. And you see, if God is not your source, you are not a child of God. You may be a child of God by creation, but you are not a child of God by relation, by relationship. You need to settle that matter today, 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 today. So by sourcing, God defines us. By imaging, Oh, this is big. God defines us. You, you, you know, Jesus, the, the Hebrew says that, is the express image of the invisible God. By imaging, it defines us. The more we behold him, the more we stay with him, the more we just bask in him, something happens begins to define us. You begin to see who you really are. It becomes the mirror. And we see that we are actually gods. I know some people's theology can't handle that. But even he says in his word, you are gods and the sons of the Most High. By imaging. By imaging. So by sourcing, by imaging, the third way in which God defines us is by naming. Oof. Speak. By naming. By naming. By naming. By naming. You cannot rise above the name that you bear. You cannot rise above the name that you bear. By naming. That's big. By naming. By naming. It's huge. By naming. So God, when he wants to define us, he gives us a name. I was praying one day and God gave me a name. You know. <laughs> Many of you don't know the name. God gave me a name. You know. And God names us. For some of us, it's the name your parents gave you, so stop looking for a name that is not missing. You know, but God needs to breathe on that name by naming. And, and when we look at us as a church, what's our name? What's the name of our church? God's favorite house. What's our name? God's favorite house. Who are we? We are God's favorites. We are God's favorites. It is what it is. That's our name. It is what it is. Joseph is, is Joseph. It is what it is. You can be upset at this coat of many colors, but it is what it is. You know? So you just need to say when, some, when people are like beefing you or wondering what kind of name is that, just tell them it is what it is. <laughs> God's favorite house. Um, years ago, I remember what years ago is. A solid man of God, that uh, uh, Pastor Jack Hayford, 
And every year, he, he, he gathers young pastors. In, in He has about 40 of us. Um, he calls it the School of Pastoral Nurture. 40 pastors from different parts of the world. And Pastor Jack Aford, amazing, amazing man of God, would sit down and teach us and teach us. I mean, what year was this? Some years ago, I mean, sub, I mean consecutive years, I, I used to go until he was too weak to, to teach. I think he's 88 now, you know, and he, he, he stopped teaching, you know. And I remember the first class, he said to us, obviously he knows us individually, so he said to us to introduce us to, uh, to the class, access to the class and, and the church that we lead. So he got to my turn. I said, I'm Femi Bonet, um from God's Favorite House. Um, Nigeria. And they said, God's what? I said, God's favorite house. <laughs> and they all looked at me. Imagine 40, uh, uh, about 40 other pastors looking at you like, if you are God's favorite house, then what about us? In fact, they asked. And, and, and I said to the whole class that, listen, every church, every child of God should be God's favorite child. Every church should be God's favorite church. But guess what? There's an adage my grandmother would say that it is the child that lifts up his hands that the elder will carry. Imagine you enter a room and there are five children in the room or ten children in the room and you enter the room and only one lifts, runs to you and lifts their hands. Who will you carry? You will carry the one that lifts his hands. It is how you, it is how you endear yourself to God that God endears himself to you. He says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So we are God's favorite house. We are his boy. He has to help us. He has to lift us up. Our hands are up. <laughs> if you like, fold your hands and be beefing us. God doesn't owe you an explanation for blessing us, for promoting us, for lifting us, for protecting us, for fighting our battles. Hallelujah. Woo! We are God's favorite house. And we are the church. And this is big. We are the church. And we exist for the world. You see, people everyone has to say, oh, I want the church to do this for, for me. I want the church. Oh, the church did not do this. Oh, that church did that. Oh. I'm like, these people are confused though. We are the church. So if the church needs to sweep this floor, guess who needs to sweep it? You, 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 you and I, we need to sweep the floor. If you leave the floor unswept and you say, oh, the church did not even sweep the floor. Spiritually, you are talking lunacy because they look at you and they're like, you are the church. You are the church. We get it twisted because we have this concept of going to church. Oh, I am going to church. Oh, that is my church. Oh, I am a worker in God's favorite house. I'm a worker in that church. I have, listen, you are the church. So God's highest calling for you was never 
going to church. God's desire, heart's desire for you was never that you would be going to church. So I said, Pastor, really? I said, of course not, yeah. So, because going to church is not enough. You have to start being the church. Going to church is not enough. You have to start what being the church. Who are we? We are the church. You have to start being the church. So, while you can go to church without being the church, I mean, a lot of people go to church without being the church. Think about it. But you cannot be the church without going to church. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, while you can go to church without being the church, you cannot actually be the church without going to church. So, even though going to church does not make you the church, it equips you and empowers you to be the church. Hallelujah. So, a church is not a place that you go. A church is a people that you belong to. Woo! A church is not a place that you go. A church is a people that you belong to. That people just meet in this place. The church is people. The church is not building. The church is not structure. The church is people. So you have to become involved in church. Wherever you are, you may be visiting us in Gospelby House and you're going back to wherever, Potaka, to Abuja, wherever you are, domicile. Be involved in your church. You may be joining us online and you don't consider yourself a part of God's family. That's fine. Be involved in your church. How? By serving. Serving your church. By giving. Give. By joining a small group. Joining a live group. Joining a department. Joining a small unit. So those three things integrates you mainly into a church life stream. Hallelujah. We are the church. Psalm 92 verse 12 says, Psalm 92 verse 12 says, But the godly, I mean this is a powerful, powerful, powerful scripture. But the godly will flourish like palm trees. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you will flourish like palm trees. And grow strong like cedars of Lebanon. You will grow strong like cedars of Lebanon in the name of Jesus. Verse 13. For they are planted. There was a planted. They are planted. They, they don't visit. They are planted in the Lord's house. Some people are visiting the Lord's house. They are not planted in God's, in God's house. You, to flourish, you need to be planted. They are planted in God's house. They flourish, you see that word, in the courts of our God. Verse 14, even in old age, they will still produce fruit. 
you will still produce fruit in old age in the name of Jesus. They will still produce fruit. They will remain vital. Oof! And green. You will remain vital and green in the name of Jesus. They will declare, the Lord is just, is my rock. There is no evil in him. I'm praying for you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that at the end of your life, in the evening of your life, you will look back and you will say, the Lord is just. He is my rock. There is no evil in him. In the mighty name of Jesus. Ooh. Now, both, this is so interesting because both palm trees and cedars are evergreen. Evergreen meaning they are consistently thriving, producing life year round. They flourish through the year, regardless of the weather. Summer, autumn, spring, winter, they are flourishing. Other trees, they wither during certain seasons, winter seasons. They flourish during it's the spring, during spring, they flourish during summer. But the palm tree, check palm trees. They are always flourishing, regardless of the weather. So I'm praying. Whether there's depression, whether there's recession, whether the exchange rate is catapulting, you will flourish in the name of Jesus. Like the palm tree, regardless of the season, regardless of what is hitting the world, like the cedar, you will flourish in the name of Jesus. The cedar, for instance, is known for its durability. You will be durable. You will not quench halfway. You will be durable. You will last and last and last. The cedar is attractive. It's durable and attractive. You will be attractive. Your life will be beautiful and attractive in the name of Jesus. So the cedar is not only durable and attractive. No, no, no. Something about the cedar is this. When you see the cedar, certain other trees that they are durable, they are attractive, when you get close to them, they are offensive. But not the cedar. When you get close to the cedar, it has a pleasant aroma. Pleasant aroma. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you'll be durable, You'll be attractive and you will have a sweet smell in the mighty name of Jesus. The palm branch, the palm tree, for instance, the branch is a symbol of triumph and victory. The Romans, for instance, when they had this, their, 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 the first Olympiad, Olympics that they, that they do, now they give gold medals. Do you know what they used to give? For, if you win, let's say you win, um, 100 meters. You are the fastest runner on earth. Do you know what they give them? They give them palm branches. You know, they read it and they give them to, to them as crown. Why? And they cherish it. You know, if you give someone palm, palm branches to them, if it's primary school student, we don't accept that from you because it's lost its meaning. However, 
they cherish it. Same thing, Jesus, the triumphant entry to Jerusalem, it was palm fronts that was used because it speaks of victory. It speaks of victory. I pray in the name of Jesus that your life will be victorious. Your life will be triumphant in the mighty name of Jesus. So by and large, your life is a seed. And guess what? A seed can only grow if it is planted. The cedar seed or the palm tree seed would never become a tree and grow and flourish if it is not planted. God wants you to be planted. You need to get into the live stream of the church. You need to get involved. You need to be planted. You need to be planted in your service. You need to be planted in your giving. You need to be planted in fellowship, in small groups, in live groups. Ask yourself, small benchmark, you know, and praise God for the workers in, in the just for house. I mean, they are just completely amazing, amazing people give of their time and, and all that. And many of you, you come to church, you are a beneficiary of their service, and praise God for that. Is it time for you to start serving? Is it time? I think it is. Check how long you spend on, let's say, Instagram. Some people spend more time on Instagram than they spend serving Jesus. Some people spend more time on Instagram in one day than they spend on serving Jesus in a week, sometimes a month, for some people even in a year. You spend three hours on Instagram, one reel after the other, before you know it, time is gone. How, mo- how long do you spend serving Jesus? How long do you spend? How long do you spend? It's a question you need to wrestle with. So you have to be planted. And you have to get involved. You have to get into this bloodstream, live stream of, of the church. And in God's favorite house, we are servants. We love to serve. We value servant spirit. We serve. We love to serve. Join us in serving. We are diverse in God's favorite house. We value diversity. We are diverse. We have tall people. We have short people. We have lepacious people. <laughs> we have Oroboski people, we have <laughs> uh, light-skinned people, we have dark-skinned people, we have we have different kind of people. We have easily amiable people, we have extra grace required people, we have all kind of people. We are diverse. We are diverse. We're in different nations. We have people that speak Swahili, Zulu, people that speak Africans, we have people that speak English, we have people that speak Yoruba, Igbo, Aousa, Ibibio, people that speak Efik, people that speak Benin, people that speak Ijo language. We have people <laughs> that speak Spanish. We have people of different tongues in God's every house. We are diverse. So we are servants, we are diverse, we are authentic. We are authentic. We value authenticity in God's We are authentic. What you see is what you get. 
like we were sharing a tribe that you, you can, we are, it is the, the, this truth and that truth is, is complete truth. <laughs> you know, we, it is what it is. We, it is what we get. We, we, we don't fake it. We are authentic by the grace of God. And not only are we servant, diverse, authentic, we are simple. If you check, our pastors are simple. Our messages are simple. You know, we, we just keep things simple because, hey, our message is simple. The gospel is straightforward and simple. Why complicate it? So not only are we servants, diverse, authentic, simple, we are flexible in God's family house. We are very flexible. We are united in God's family house. We value teamwork. We are creative. We value innovation. We are risk takers. No small dreams in God's family house. No small dreams. We value risk taking. We are committed in God's family house. We value commitment. We do value commitment. And guess what? God's family house. Who are we? We are limitless all the way. Hallelujah. Okay, so that's who we are. That's who we are. That's who we are. So if you're here, you're like, Pastor, I don't have that relationship with God. Of course, I'm a creation of God, but I don't have the relationship with God. Can you pray with me? Yes, we want to pray with you. We want to pray with you, wherever you are. Pastor, that is me. That is me. If that is you, put up your hand now over your head and we'll pray with you. Wherever you are, online, uh, in the church auditorium, put up that hand. Put up that hand. I want to start a relationship with the living God. I'm going to turn it over to the RP. We're going to pray with you and take it from here.